to the ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Uh, Are you ready? Let's make this declaration. You can just repeat after me. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Praise God. I believe that. Now let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I'm reading out of the New King James, but I'll be dancing back and forth between a few different translations. Look at this. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over will men, uh, will, will be put into your bosom. For the, the King James says, for men, I said, you know, I said, you know, I got a little King James in me. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And this is the fifth week of this series. And today's lesson or sermon is really going to be teaching. Title is For Giving. I'm for giving. <laughs> Praise God. Help me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence in this place and what you're doing. I release the gift of faith. Pray that your word would get a hold of us, God, and do what only it can do, for it has the ability to discern between the intent and thought of the heart. But right now, I'm declaring that every heart is good soil to receive your word, oh God. We've worshiped you and blessed you. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Come on in and do what you want to do. We'll give you the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Would you say amen? And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The last time I, and y'all know I feel at home because I just, I, I just stopped with a cute little bottle of water. I just brought my water, praise God. I, um, I try to drink two of these every day, and I, I, do pretty, I do pretty good. The last time I spoke on this series, I focused the message on tithing because uh, if you all remember, I preached a message called Don't Sleep on Tithing. And uh, wow, what a powerful move of God we had at the end. But the reason uh, I, I did that and focused on that in that particular instance is because I want you to understand tithing and giving are two separate things. As a matter of fact, before any of our guests uh, get tight, <laughs> please know in the four and a half years of my pastoring extraordinary church, this is the second time that I have preached or taught on money specifically. This is not something that we hit often. Uh, And as a matter of fact, in this series, I communicated at the beginning. We talked about an awareness, if you recall. There's several ways in which we can be generous. Did anybody remember that? We talked about we can be generous with our thoughts. We can be generous with our words. We can be generous with our money, our influence, our time, attention, and belongings. 
But some of you may wonder why taught on tithing a couple of uh, weeks ago with a series titled A Generous Life. It's because I want us to understand that a tithe is not an offering. And an offering is not a tithe. See, this is just to get us right. <laughs> this is just to get our minds in the right place. You got to right size and rightly frame the Word of God. Let me just make it plain. You can't become a giver until you become a returner. You can't become a giver until you return the tithe unto the Lord. And so, what, I, what, I, what we talked about, if you recall, is tithing, you've heard me say this before, tithing is not giving. Tithing is simply not stealing. And that's why I told all of you, don't sleep on tithing because you won't understand what giving is all about until we understand what returning is all about. As I've discussed in the past, no one has ever given a tithe. The only thing you can do is return a tithe. Remember, God said the tithe is mine. It's holy. We return it unto him. So you can't give something that never belonged to you in the first place. <laughs> you, you can't become a giver until you become a returner. And when you learn how to return something, then that's when we learn how to really give. Now, forgiving is for giving. See that? Forgiving is for giving. Okay, stick with me. You and I cannot become givers until we become for givers. <laughs> we can't become givers until we become for giving. You will never become a giver. Un oh, hear me. I'm telling you in love. You and I will never become a giver of any kind until you become a for giver. Look at verse 37 of Luke chapter 6. He says this, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So if you look this up in the Greek, and for those who don't know, the reason why I say look it up in the Greek is because the original language of the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, okay? And so if you look it up in the Greek, uh, this is why maybe even when you're studying Scripture, you want to have not necessarily a few different translations, but you do want to have a lexicon that will help you be able to rightly understand what uh, the word means, because words have an evolution to them sometimes. And uh, that's why we could talk about even like little idioms and phrases. Uh, like I talked about don't sleep on tithing. What I was saying is don't underestimate it. But words can change over a period of time. So you want to go back, and I want you to consider what this word judgment means. It means not to pass judgment upon, to express an opinion about or to pass an unfavorable judgment upon, to criticize, to find fault with, to reach a decision. Can anybody in this place, because we're the perfect church for imperfect people, admit that you've judged somebody in the past? 
Thank you, Elvis. Thank you, Chandra. Thank you, Noel. I'm going to put both hands up. Praise God. You've reached a decision on them. You have cast judgment on them. And here's what Jesus is saying. Don't judge because if you judge, you'll be judged. In other words, don't reach a decision on anybody. Don't judge anybody. Don't condemn anybody. And what we do is oftentimes we miscontextualize Scripture. And I'm not saying I'm a theologian, but people have what they have done in the miscontextualization of Scripture. This in particular has emboldened people to live any old kind of way that they want to live. Because what they will do is, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. And you are right. And they'll be like, so just back up, fall back. But let me clarify something. We're not supposed to judge, but we are called to inspect. Because this is why miscontextualization happens. Listen, I am not the preacher of preachers, but I do know this. This is why I'm not a fan. I don't know that I'll ever get a chance to do it because it would be a really long journey, but uh, I would love to just teach the entire counsel of the Word of God in chronological sequence and go. Uh, But this is why you have to read. When I talk about contextualization, you just can't take fragmentary preaching and teaching because if you do, you will misappropriate something to your life and you don't understand the context and therefore you'll get mad when it doesn't work because you did not use it or understand it in its proper context and therefore you don't yield the full expression of what God intended. Okay, this is why you got to read before and after. Because when we talk about inspection, if you just keep reading in Luke chapter 6, like a couple of sentences later, listen to what Jesus says in verse 43. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. Y'all not going to help me today. But watch this. And grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. <laughs> A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So, here is the difference between judging and inspecting. See, when we judge, it's an act of pride. When you come to a decision, when you come to a conclusion and what you're on somebody and you cast judgment, what you're really doing is revealing the pride that's within yourself. When you criticize somebody unnecessarily, you judge them. Whew. You reach a decision on them. You conclude that you've seen all the information you need to see. You determine the type of person that they are, therefore you judge them. That's pride. And we're not supposed to judge. But based on what I read, here's the next thing I would like to submit for your consideration. Inspection is a form of stewardship. You shouldn't judge anybody, but you should inspect Judgment is to reach a decision, a conclusion, an unnecessarily, unfairly. See, only God can bring judgment. He is in the judgment business. But here's what we do have permission to do. We do have permission to inspect. 
I will inspect because inspection is being a good steward, and I'm supposed to be a good steward. Give you an example. Now, you all know when we first came here, I'm still believing God. I told uh, Mateo, he's in the States, I said, man, listen, if you go south enough, I don't know where you are. I know where you are. I'm just not putting all this business out here right now, praise God. I said, if you go south enough, I said, you might just see a yellow and black sign. I said, it's a Waffle House. I said, listen, if you see that, that's where the land of milk and honey. I said, that's where it flows. I said, go to Waffle House. And I said, a couple things you got to understand, son. I said, if the cook has all of their teeth in their head, you need to walk out that Waffle House. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. If they don't have a, I told him, I said, if they don't have a criminal record in juvenile, juvie does not count. I said, they need to have served some hard time. I said, then you're in the right place. Praise God. But, no, in all seriousness, I, I prayed. I've been praying for Waffle House to come here. I also was praying Chick-fil-A. Look at what the Lord has done. I'm even, I didn't even realize it. I'm wearing my Chick-fil-A red. Praise God. I'm doing this in honor of Chick-fil-A. Kathy Truett would be proud. Maybe not. McDonald's. My son and I were driving, and McDonald's has waffle fries. I was like, is that blasphemous? Okay. I'm not going to judge you. But I will go inspect. And I can assure you, after my inspection, that those ain't waffle french fries like Chick-fil-A. And that sweet tea don't hit like Chick-fil-A sweet tea, praise God. You got to go inspect. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying this afternoon? You got to go inspect. And here's what I want you to understand. There's a difference between the two. You don't judge people. See, if we're going to live a generous life, generous people don't judge. But generous people do inspect, which is why you have the responsibility of stewardship on where you're going to give, what you're going to give, when you're going to give. Givers just don't give to everybody just because people ask. That's not them making a judgment. That's them being a good steward of what they have and know where to put it. This is why it's so important at Extraordinary Church. Whether or not people choose to become a member and a part of our EC fam, they typically provide the feedback, something along these lines, Pastor Bear. They're like, man, Extraordinary Church is a breath of fresh air. The authenticity is, I feel like I can breathe in this place. I, I've never experienced church like this. And we have fought desperately and are fighting to protect that culture. But here is one reason why extraordinary generosity is a part of our values is because generous people don't judge. The second thing generous people won't do, Dominique, is we won't condemn. <laughs> to condemn someone simply means that they are a person who thinks you can put them in a place to find somebody guilty or pronounce someone guilty. We are not here to pass judgment on people, and we're certainly not here to condemn people, for the Bible makes it clear there is no condemnation to them who are in 
Christ Jesus. But here is what a generous person will do. A generous person will give before. Watch, watch, watch this. Remember Jesus says, if you forgive others, you will be forgiven. If you're the type of person that can give before, forgive, you yourself will be forgiven. <laughs> Did y'all? <laughs> forgive and you shall be forgiven. And why do givers give before? Why do we give before? Because we know we're going to receive. Forgive and you shall be. I'm forgiving. I'm forgiving. I am for giving because I understand I will be forgiven. Whew. Okay, praise God. So, this is why context is everything. Before I read this passage of Scripture to you again, anytime you read Scripture, you've got to make sure context is everything, okay? You've got to understand who they're writing to and the time and the cultural context because, again, you could walk away with something. Uh, I was uh, teaching last night uh, in an online college, and I was wrapping it up, and I wanted to catch the game, uh, Ohio State and Notre Dame. And uh, I went to go catch the last little bit of the game, and I had, the game was over, but I was catching the online or on-field interviews. And uh, I wasn't even really paying it any attention. Sarah was in my office with me, and she was like, did he just say that? And I was like, yeah, he did, which is really not nothing new. The guy, the winner was saying, look, he was saying something to the effect of, yeah, God brought us, uh, God brought us this trial, and we had to go through it. You know, he makes a way of escape, something like that. You know, like he won't put more on me than I can handle or, or something like that. And if we're not careful, that's exactly what people do. You take that passage of Scripture. That's why Sarah was like, did he just say that? And I was like, yeah. You know, what he just said was out of context. Now, watch this. Watch this. For, I'm, I'm going to tell you what he's, he's quoting, and I'm going to give you some context. 1 Corinthians 10, 9 through 14. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourself if what I am saying is true. In other words, really simple. 
layman's terms, Paul was telling the Corinthian church to flee or to not mimic or duplicate Israel's idolatry and not crave evil things. He goes on to say that these moments of testing are no different than what others are experiencing. God is faithful who show you a way out so that you can endure. Don't revert back to idolatrous worship. And how many of us have taken or how many people have taken that passage of Scripture out of context? How many people write basketball players, football players, whatever, they write Philippians 4.13 on their shoes? I can do all things through Christ. Let me just tell you right now, you're not going to make every basketball shot. They're taking that out of context. <laughs> if we could do all things, <laughs> oh, Jesus. What is Paul saying? You have to read it before and after. Paul literally says, he says, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in. <laughs> I know what it's like to be naked. I know what it's like to be clothed. This is what he said. I'm not, this is not, he said, I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be well fed. I know what it's like to be abased. He's like, and I know how to be content in whatever state I'm in. Therefore, no matter what's going on in my life, I don't allow my circumstances to dictate what I'm going to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. I can do all things in Christ in that context. The circumstances don't define what I can do. Somebody might have offended me, but I can forgive. I might not have all of the right elements, but I can move forward in Christ. I can do all things through Christ because I understand the context. And if you're wanting to activate scripture, context is everything. If you're wondering why it's not working in your life, you got to get the right context. You can't be out here talking about some, oh, I can do all things with Christ. I'm about to get this job. Y'all not ready for me today. I'm hurting some of you. See, this is where we get in trouble. This is where I'm helping you. This is not, I'm not saying you have an incorrect theology. Because I'm not talking about the study of God, but this is where we get incorrect teaching. And incorrect teaching can produce incorrect behaviors that don't give us the scriptural results that we want. But if we do it his way, we'll get scriptural results. Does anybody want that? I want scriptural results in my life. So, watch, here we go. Now understanding that context is everything. Luke 6, 37, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Here it is. Watch this. Give. <laughs> and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. Let me just help you out right now. Jesus isn't talking about an offering. We just read that in verse 37. 
We just read, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Jesus is talking to this audience. Anybody that would have heard him would have understood that he's referring to a, a, a transaction between a merchant and a, a buyer. They would have heard and understood him making this statement that when a buyer goes to get grain, you know, I, I used this example a little bit before. Um, when you go to those uh, natural stores, praise God, you know, they have like the food in the bin. Like you get the rice, you know, and you, you scoop it out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You scoop it out and you put it in your bag or you, okay. So kind of think about it like in that context. They would go and they would go to the buyer and they would purchase the grain, okay? And the merchant would take the grain and he would pour it in, okay? And then once he would pour it in for good measure, he would shake it, pour some more in, and then <laughs> press it down and pour some more in. And the overflow would pour into his lap because it will be measured back to him. <laughs> so this can't be talking about giving an offering because it's an actual fair exchange. The buyer bought something from the merchant and the merchant gave him something back. So this is not a free gift. This is an exchange. I almost titled this the divine exchange. And if we put it in context with what Jesus said, if you judge, you'll be judged. If you condemn, uh, it'll come back to you. But if you forgive, you will be forgiven. So give and you will receive good measure. Press down. Shaken together and running over, shall it be given back to you? Okay, so let me help you out. You want to give judgment? Cool. Cool. You're going to get judgment. How are you going to get judgment? You want to condemn people? Okay. Here's how, here's how you're going to get condemnation. Condemnation pouring into your lap. Oh, are you a four- Giver, let me tell you how you're going to receive forgiveness. <laughs> it will come back to you that way. Somebody ought to give God praise. And here's what I want you to understand. People that have unforgiveness have a difficulty giving. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, generosity is something that more than likely is not a part of your expression. If you carry unforgiveness, if you carry judgment, condemnation, and bitterness in your heart, if you can't release that from your heart, then you won't release anything else that you're connected to. 
Show me somebody who's bitter of heart, and I'll show you somebody who withholds. Because their heart is not released, then nothing else will be either. Show me somebody unforgiving, I'll show you somebody who wants to be in control. Why is it so hard for them to give? It's because they still have unforgiveness in their hearts. Most people will try to convince you, hey, you can give, and I can give on top of all the unresolved issues I have. But if you do it, and it's not coming from the right place, this is why Paul tells the second, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, be a cheerful giver. Well, if you're forgiving, it's easy to be cheerful because you've been forgiven. Oh, God. But if you are not forgiving, it is difficult for you to do anything cheerfully because you have not been Okay, praise God. Some of us are starting to get it. That simply means that God loves somebody that has a forgiving heart. And you can't be cheerful if you still have unresolved issues and you're still holding people hostage in your head. These folks give, and they, they give if they can control what you do with it. They'll only give it if they can control you with it. But see, God, God loves a cheerful giver, not a reminding giver. Y'all know those people I'm talking about. You give and, man, they quick to remind you what they gave you with the interest. You're like, man, is you keeping track like that? Praise <laughs> I had somebody come to me, and they were like, uh, they were like um, this is why, you know, we just give at the church. We just give. We just, we just give by faith, and 10% of what comes in, in into Extraordinary Church, we send it out into another man's field, and we just go. I had somebody say to me, they were like, well, who wouldn't want uh, the tithes and offerings that we give? Um, and I was thinking to myself, you know what? Um, if they have an attitude like somehow their giving gave them um, the ability to, uh, to, to say certain things, to see that certain things were to come to pass. And uh, I, had to, I had to let them know that's not how it goes here at Extraordinary Church. We give unto the Lord. And first of all, I had to tell them, I was like, I love you, but... You, 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 your, your understanding of Scripture is mistaken. The tithe is not yours. It's his. And I told y'all last week or the last time I taught this, two or three weeks ago, I have never in my mind, when I give, when I return the tithe to the Lord, I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. And if somebody's like, oh, you know, because I'm not, but like I told you this, I'm not saying that anybody does, but like if you got the attitude, oh, you know what, he got, he got an Apple Watch and he's driving a 2014 Honda Accord, I dare him rolling up in here like that. Look, look, if that don't sit well with you, you need to go take the, his tithe and the offering and go give it somewhere else. 
because this is about the kingdom of God. That's it. That's it. That's it. I, I don't want you to think that your money can manipulate to get your objectives done. We want the kingdom of God done here. And so what we're talking about is this is an issue of the heart. And Jesus is coming out. That's why I got that heart design up there with my design, because Jesus is coming for the heart. Look at Matthew 5, 21. He says this, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Woo. If you call someone an idiot, y'all quiet now. Y'all real quiet. You are in danger of being brought before the court. And then, because y'all quick to clap back. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Anger, that's a real thing. Murder, though, is the action that happens when the heart goes unchecked. Here's what I want you to understand. Whatever, hear me, whatever doesn't come up out of your mouth through words will come up out of your body through actions. Whatever doesn't come up out of your mouth through words will come up out of your body through actions. You show me somebody angry, angry enough to commit domestic violence, I'll show you somebody that can't articulate that they're mad. You show me somebody whose marriage is on the precipice of divorce in a vicious cycle, that's because they don't have the ability, they've chosen not to exercise the ability to talk through their challenges. Like, I feel neglected. I don't feel loved. We're not connecting. And all of a sudden, everything is over. You show me a person that constantly cheats on their spouse, I'll show you somebody that can't open their mouth and say that I'm unpleased, unfulfilled, and I'm wrestling with, so, with low self-esteem. You, if you can't put a word to it, you will put action to it. The, I, I learned this the hard way. I learned this the hard way because, you know what, Sarah and I, we would have conversations, and when I was mad, I would pout. Y'all laughing. Some of y'all doing the same thing. Grown men and women giving people the silent treatment. And... I'm over here in my 30s. I don't know when I got out of it, but something didn't go my way, and I'm over here. And she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. The whole time I'm acting like something wrong. I'm over here fumbling through stuff, being all aggressive. She show up. I got to get up, walk out. That passive-aggressive, immature foolishness. Because I did not put words. That's when she called me out. I told y'all. <laughs> I told y'all the time. This is when I learned and see the Lord. This, you need to understand too that your spouse. Well, let me. I won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> this ain't marriage counseling. Praise God. But, you know, I thought when you beat your kids, it had to, you had to be dramatic. That was, that was part, that's how I grew up. When I got a beating, it was like, I thought it was a Broadway production. 
everybody knew. Everybody knew I was getting a beating. They was like, go get that switch. And I go get the switch, but that wasn't good enough. Oh, you didn't want to get the right switch, so I'm going to help you get the right switch. And then they find out that switch ain't good. They get belts and like, you know, and it was like, and it was just loud. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm about to die. So when I did that, because I didn't know any better. This is where you got to let the word of God teach y'all. This is where we got to let the word of God teach y'all. I didn't know any better. So my kids are acting up and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't go get a switch because we were living, I don't know where we was at this time. But Sarah was like, um, are you going to kill the kids? Or was that just theatrics? And even then, I was like this. I was hot. But then it hit me. The Lord is like, let me tell you something about correction, son. Correction should never destroy I want y'all to hear me. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm helping you. It will always restore. Let, here, I'm not done. Let me, let me tell you how correction, I'm in the Holy Ghost, can restore somebody. Because you are for. If you are for giving, then you will be forgiving. Here's what I want y'all to understand right now. So watch this. Watch this. So Jesus, he's like, I'm not coming after actions anymore like the law was written. He's coming after your heart. And that's all giving is about. It's a heart issue. This is not trying to get into your pockets. This is about trying to get into your heart. Because if God can change your heart, then he knows he can change everything else. So watch. Look at Matthew 5, 23. So if you are presenting a sacrifice, the New King James uses the word gift, at the altar, in the temple, and you suddenly remember, someone has something against you. Understand that context. You go on to the temple. Come on. Y'all don't know nothing about old school church today, we used to have you march. Praise God. And uh, <laughs> come watch it. People come and they just going, they going to give that offering. Prayer. I'm going to give my offering. I'm coming to return the tithe. And you suddenly remember someone has something against you. Leave Leave your gift right there. Go. Can it be any more plain? Leave. Go. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then. Come to and offer your sacrifice unto the Lord. How can we be cheerful givers if we don't 
forgive. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. If you pronounce someone guilty, you yourself. If you don't forgive forgiveness, you simply won't forgive. And right now, we need to release those offenses and those that have offended us. Not for their sake, but for our own. Today, somebody needs to free themselves of offense because I can't make myself a prisoner based on your actions. I can't control you. The only person I can control is me, which brings me to John 3, 16. Watch this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I told you all this. You can't separate the gift from the giver. You can't separate the gift from the giver. He gave. He gave. He gave. When did he give himself? When did he give himself? Robed in flesh, a sacrifice for all of us. God in the body. When did Christ give himself? Revelation 13 and 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. When did he give? From the foundations of the world. I remember the day. I'll never forget I have two specific moments. I won't have time to unpack them all, but I'll never forget. See, what you need to understand is offenses. Remember, Jesus says, like, anything, all things are possible, right? But then he'll say, like, hey, offenses will come. Offenses will come. Offenses will come. Watch this. Watch this. I was so offended. I remember when the Lord gave me a choice, a family member. And I was so angry. So angry. It was, it was at my dad. And I'll never forget when God took that from me. I remember the day as clear as a bell. I even took pictures of the moment. But I can remember when I knew nothing about church and I came in and I was sitting in a church, about 30 people, and the Lord called me. I was going to get up and walk away. I was, I was done. I was like, this guy's yelling and screaming and he's like red in the face. I think he's angry. I'm going to leave. Lillian, you are probably there. Praise God. I think Lillian go way back. I walk in. I was like, the moment this dude gets done yelling, I'm out. And I walked to the front. I was already sitting on the front row because this dude that would take me would be on the front row. But instead of getting up, walk out the back, I walk up to the front, off to the side. And I'll never forget when God made me aware of my sins. I was wilding out doing all kinds of stuff that I didn't even think was wrong. And God made me aware of my sins. Just a moment in his presence. And 
I remember saying, I'm sorry. When did he forgive me? When I came to church? When I came to the altar? He was for giving. He forgave me from the fountain. He forgave me before I ever stepped foot on this earth. He for oh God, are y'all hearing me? He forgave me before I took my first breath. What my acknowledgement was, my repentance was getting me into alignment with the goodness of God and his sacrifice. I want our musicians to come and I'll ask everybody to stand. Here's why I want you to be for giving. Because you've been forgiven. And you can't give a good gift with old wounds in your heart. Uh, I'm unsure who this is for, but you gotta, you got to let some people go. I don't mean from your life, but I mean from your head and your heart. They have so much real estate in your heart and in your mind that the grace of God is having a difficult time getting through. Today, God wants you to walk out lighter than the way you came in. Let me be clear. I can understand why you don't like them. I can understand maybe why you even hate them. They hurt you. They betrayed you. They misused you. They abused you. But I'm telling you, you not forgiving them is literally imprisoning you. So the offering that I would love for us to give today, and I appreciate his heart, it's nothing to do with the dollar. It's got everything to do with offering in your heart. Let's get you out of here lighter by you giving the offering of forgiveness to someone, watch this, that doesn't even deserve it. Because Jordan, if he gave me what I deserved, but if you continue to judge, you'll be judged. If you continue to condemn, you'll be condemned. It'll come back to you. But if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. I want to thank everybody for watching online. I bless you in Jesus' name. <sighs> come back and be with us in person. Don't miss this Friday. I want everybody to come this Friday. Because I don't, Luami Diaz is one of the greatest men of God that I know. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us 
info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.